Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster, a managing partner at Invader Comics and the writer of both Kadoja and Three Protectors. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders Melisandre for the Accidental Aliens. Yes, and we like to drink beer. We also we like do. to drink beer on this episode. And we are now going to describe the beers we are having for this episode. So what beer have you, friend? Well, this is actually, I've had it one other time on the pod, and I bought a couple extra cans because they only had a couple of extra cans left at Trader Joe's, so I guess it's a seasonal thing or they're just testing it out. But it's Mother mm-hmm. Earth Cali Creamin, um, but oh. the Creamsicle Edition. So yeah. I got a couple of cans because they are the smaller, they're the 12 ounces, and they're not very strong. Um, mm-hmm. I forgot how much they are, but I'm, I'm going to guess somewhere around four Yeah, like and 5%. Yeah, four and a half or five. So, uh, how about you? What are you drinking? Oh, it's five. Okay, five. Yeah, so you're doing what I did with uh, the the latte milk truck, I think too. I had two that time that I had those. So, look, I I've got a little bit of a story with this this beer. So I I sent you and Gary a uh, a picture the other night because Eden went to fencing and I and it was like a short fencing. It was just. Fit, uh, conditioning it wasn't like the two hour practice it was like one hour and I'd done my writing so I just kind of actually I hadn't done my writing I'll get to that but um I was I was near the end of this first draft of something and I didn't know where to write it because it's like we we were in uh what's it called raising canes we were in raising canes mm. the chicken place anyway it. so it turned out that the best place to go was right back into raising canes so that's what i did i went right back to my table even though we'd picked up and thrown away our trash i finished what i was writing for 20 minutes and i'm like cool i have, i'm i'm done like i was in the vibe and i knew i wanted to get it done then then i had some time to kill so i was like well i'm getting low on beer let me go to bevmo cuz i go to trader joe's all the time let's go to bevmo I actually selected a six of Kilt Lifter. Uh, that is by Four Peaks. Uh, it is the Scotch Ale by Four Peaks. I love it. It's just a cheapo version of uh, Bourbon Barrel Ale, and uh, and I like it. So I had that, and then I'm at the register, and I see all this beer. It says sale. And I looked at the prices. I'm like, well, that's not much of a sale, because that's what you expect, right? You expect people to put beer on sale and have it be kind of like a weak-ass sale. Wrong, friend. Because I should have read the, the the print more closely because it was half off all of those prices. Oh, wow. So so I ended up getting like a whole lot of beer. I th- what did I say, Scott? I think I, I think ended it was up like 36 getting... 36 bucks or something. 30, 36 bucks for like 18 ca- cans or, or bottles. It was like, it's basically like $2 a can for, for premium shit. So, uh, so this one is, uh, let's see, it's Steam... Steamworks. Steamworks. I think they're from uh, Canada. And this is the Steamworks IPA. Here, I'll hold this up for the photo. Yeah. Yeah. Kapow. Oops, and it says it, is, it says it is steam brewed, right? So, so, yeah, this is the, I guess, just the Steamworks IPA. And I think it's 6 or 7%. I'm trying to look it up right now. There's the goddamn IBUs. 6.7. So 16 ounces of 6.7, that gets me over the coveted 100 for power rating. And so we're going to give this bad boy a taste while you tell me your first thing that you did this week. And that kilt lifter, that's what we got when we were in Arizona, right? Like that was the thing mm. that you were like insistent. You're like, this is the shit. I'm going to get this. 
Yes. Uh, so I not only well, I did I did not get. Remember how I said what was it last week or the week before that if someone went to Harland and ordered a Japanese lager as part of their flight, I'd, I'd like I'd slap the shit out of them. Like, what are you doing, wasting a, a coveted spot on a flight for that? I did not order the regular kilt lifter. When oh we yeah, were that's right. Floor. It was it was the it was like the double kilt lifter. It was like the the bourbon barrel aged kilt lifter right. or something like that. It, it was, was like yep. souped up. Yeah, yeah. So I ordered the fancy schmancy kilt lifter, and it was excellent. As a matter of fact. So anyway, but good, good, good callback. And uh, what was the first thing you did this week? Um, second shift thirteen is done. That's mm. the biggest thing. So on the last episode, I had two panels left. I think the very next day I knocked those out. So I finished on the 18th, and my deadline was the 21st, so I got a few extra days. And um, so I was happy about that. You know, it's just like, and that's that's another good thing about setting those deadlines for yourself is, you know, number one, hopefully you hit the deadline and you finish your project. But two, it gives you something to strive to beat, you know, like if you're a competitive person, I am, it's like, okay, that's my deadline. I want to see if I can beat it. How, like how many days in advance can I beat that? And then mm-hmm. if, when you do that, you just have all this extra time. And so I'll talk about, you know, with my second thing, what I did with that extra time, but, um, it, it's great. It's always a great feeling to finish an issue. Like every time you're doing a comic book, as soon as you finish it, there's like this, this sense of pride and there's a sense of relief. It's just like, ah, okay, it's finally done, you know? Because it takes so long to work on these things. And uh, it's just every single issue that you can finish as a creator is an accomplishment. And so I just felt really accomplished as soon as I finished that last panel. But it was also one of those things where I was like, am I done? You know, and then you just kind of like, it feels weird, I'm done. I got nothing left to Mm -hmm. do. And, um, (laughs) you know, there's always the process of going back and like looking at everything to make sure everything is consistent, you know, make sure like this, this character that I'm debuting in this issue, she's wearing earrings. So it's just like, I have to go back and look through every single page that she's on to make sure she's wearing those earrings because mm-hmm. it's just one of those details that you want to have consistent throughout the story. You know, it's not like make or break. Anyone's going to say, Hey, this issue shit because sometimes she doesn't have her earrings on. But hey, mm-hmm. you you want the book to be professional. You want you want to have your characters consistent all the way through as far as their look goes, whether that be their physical appearance or what they're wearing. Uh, you know, both. You want you want those yeah. things going through your issues. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're actually giving me so many thoughts to comment on. I haven't had a chance to write them down. Luckily, I'm not too deep in the beer, so I think I'm going to be able to do this. One. The the earring consistency is something, you know, I can I can feel like a spiritual animal to that on the writer side, which is something my mentor told me. It's like when you're when you're writing a story and you're sending it to an agent, your job is to take away the easy no. And that means you better make sure your spelling's good. You better make sure your grammar's good. You better make sure you have a lot of these base things done and 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 buttoned up so that they are just perfect and you're making someone work to say no or to not get back to you, right? Whatever whatever form the no takes. But I, I see what you're talking about in the vein like that, right? Like you're taking away the easy, oh, look at this. This person did that. You're taking away that, that, that negative Nelly. <laughs> you're taking away all the easy routes for a negative Nelly to nitpick on your comic. You know, if you want to nitpick on my comic, you're going to have to go a little harder than that, right? So... And that's important. It's important to do all those things. I'm not saying this in any kind of like bad way. You want to do those things, 
but they are the surface level, easy catch kind of things that you want to make sure you're consistent about so that you don't lose people. Because sometimes you can lose people for, for things like that. I've, I've fallen out of love with comics, with books, for things that may not be that, but aren't that distant from it, where you just can't get over something and then it just reduces your enjoyment of it. Yeah, all those little things, they can add up, you know? So, like... You, you... You could potentially forget a couple of earrings and it's not that big of a deal. But then, you know, okay, well, then you start missing other things because you're just, it's kind of a habit almost, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you're not double checking your work. You want to make sure you're going back through and you're checking everything. It's just like, okay, mm-hmm. well, they're wearing a wristwatch. Is it on the left hand or the right hand? You know, you got to make sure those things are consistent all the way through because people yeah. might not notice one, but if you have like five of them per issue, then people are going to start catching on. It's like, hey, this, this is kind of weird. Like, they didn't notice yeah. this and that. And, uh, yeah, just to be consistent, it's it, it makes your stuff look more professional. And um, that's Absolutely. kind of the goal here, right? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, as as professional as possible is definitely the mantra you want for everything. You know, make it as good as possible. Make it as pro level as possible. Um, so the other, the other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, just doubling back to the idea of being done. You know, the, uh, to... to paraphrase that or say the Neil Gaiman thing in his masterclass where he talks about when when he started to finish things was when his improvement became quantum that was you know a word he borrowed from someone but by finishing it no matter how good or how bad it is and obviously the more we do the more the better we get at it um, the more you really start to see your growth take off exponentially. I think you even used that word a little while ago. So yeah, that that's great to see. It's obviously great to keep on finishing stuff. And on a related note, celebrate. I hope you did. I hope you celebrated a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. You should. I, I am definitely of the opinion that the size of the celebration and the length of the celebration should be proportional to the difficulty of the accomplishment. So if I finish a comic, I mean, that's worth a nice celebration. I'm going to go, I'm going to go out to dinner. I'm going to have a nice beer. I'm going to, you know, whatever it's going to do, treat myself to a round of golf, maybe, you know, whatever it's going to be. Not that I wouldn't do those things anyway, but God damn it, I'm doing it because I just finished this comic and that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I definitely celebrated that night with uh, some nice beverages. So that yes. that was my equivalent to, uh, you know, your, your open, opening your glass of or your bottle of scotch. It was yeah. just like, I'm going to have a nice beer on this random, you know, day, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it tasted extra better, you know, extra good yeah. that day. You know, yes. just just uh, knowing that I accomplished something that day, it, it's always a great feeling. Absolutely. I was actually in the, I think the name of the restaurant is the Arrowhead Tap Room or something like that. The, it's basically the Lake Arrowhead restaurant that I enjoy. It's it's on the it's on the upper level and it looks out over the lake. I love going there. I have written I mean, I've written for a, a total of maybe 12 hours in that place because I go in there for like two hours at a time. I my 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 MO is that I do two beers without food. And by the time I am I am halfway through that second boy beer, boy is I ready to order some grub. And I've written a while, and it's arguably the best writing humanity has ever known because you know I'm <laughs> I'm getting more and more sauced as I go. So I have a very high opinion of my words at that moment. But um, but yeah, I, I love doing it. But I, we happened to be in there over the weekend, and uh, and I was looking out over the lake. And uh, and my last memory in that restaurant was when I finished the novel, had the scotch or had a taste of the scotch 
And then I walked down the hill from the hotel I was staying at and had a very nice lunch there, complete with like two beers. I mean, I did it up, you know. So again, it's 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 worth celebrating people. It's worth celebrating every time you complete something because that is an accomplishment. You did it. By completing something, by finishing something, that puts you so far ahead of everybody else. Simply doing things and finishing them puts you in the top 20 percentile of, of people that are creating, if not the top 10. Because so many people set out to to create something and not finish it. So bravo on that. It's, it's great. I'm glad you celebrated. And now it's, uh, and I'm sure, you know, it, it's like um, it's like the way athletes, when they make a big win, uh, I was just watching a, a game over the weekend and, and they interviewed an athlete and, and, you know, how do you celebrate such a big win? The guy was like, we're going to celebrate for an hour and then it's on to the next week that we got to start planning for, you know, so uh, so it's all good. But yeah, man, congrats. Oh, thanks, man. And yeah, you're 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 doing it right by having a couple of beers first and then ordering some food like that's, that's the way you get it. You get you get that little sauce going on by the time oh, that yeah. food gets there and like everything's all right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You you know, and and, and I. I tend to get to the place where I'll order and I'll just be like, they know I'm drunk. <laughs> That's usually the thing that goes through my head. It's usually like, I'm trying to play it off like I'm not, but they have a very strong idea that I am. Hey, okay. So, <laughs> so what was your first thing for the week, man? Yeah. So for me, I, it was a, it was a, a wide variety of things this week. I only have three, but I think I cover some, some pretty different turf on all three. So the first thing I did, and I don't know if I've talked about this at all. Did I talk about the short story I was writing at all on the podcast? No. You talked about... I don't believe so. You talked about okay. changing your second novel. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that so, was kind of the big thing, but you didn't mention the short story, I don't believe. Yeah, so I wrote a short story, beginning to end, mm -hmm. first draft. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. So um, it was spurred on by... Uh, by a life event, I think this was this was a couple. This was actually two days after I I had the slap upside the head in terms of you know that realization that I might not be writing the the proper correct second novel, and as so the thing was, I wasn't for a while. It took me like a week. It took me like a week to come to grips with it and be like, is this really what I want to do? And in the meantime, I thought to myself, well, you should keep writing. I got an idea for a short story, so I wrote it. And uh, and so this this incident in the chicken joint the other night was actually the end of the short story that I was writing. Because I was so close to the end, I'm like, I think I know the end. Let me just finish the damn end. And then I did. So that was a couple days ago. That was what I would call the first draft. I am now going through... I went through a pretty heavy edit today of it and I, and I'm rushing because tomorrow I'm going to give it over to my workshoppers. They don't know right now that I'm abandoning this second novel. So as of this moment, <clears throat> until they check their email, they will think that it's the other novel, but it's not. So I'm going to give them a little bit of an explanation and I'm going to give them this short story. So I like the short story. It is a suspense horror kind of short story. I think it's kind of nifty and we're going to see what they say. But more importantly, I was just happy to write it. I think, I think I want to mess around with some short stories too. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed. I'm just kind of letting my freak flag fly here. I'm just doing what I want in terms of writing. I am going to get into this new and improved second novel soon. 
But for now, I have some short stories that I think I want to work on. There's another short story that, that was basically this cutout piece from my first novel. So I am going to take that, modify it, give it some new, some new life, and I'll be done with that. And then once I'm done with that, and I get the notes back from this, and I work those notes, then I will get into the second novel. And more importantly, I'll have two short stories that I can shop around, which is what I want to do, too. Um, so in the while I'm looking for an agent for the first novel, I'm also going to shop around some short stories once I get some openings or find out places to go. So I feel really good about it. It's it's great. It Again, it's great to finish something, even if that something's a short story. Um, I think this, in a way, in a way, this goes back to something you mentioned a few weeks ago that Tim Radecki talked about. The idea of knocking out a whole bunch of things and then presenting them to people and like, which one of these do you like the most, right? So in my case, I'm not knocking out a bunch of things and presenting them to people, but I do want to knock out a bunch of short things so I can move forward with it and develop a little bit of a quick portfolio. And I'm happy that I'm doing that because it took me forever to write a novel. I'm still not showing it to anybody because I'm shopping it. Like, how great would it be to actually knock out some short stories and try to get them out there? So... I like that I'm doing that. I also like that it gives me an opportunity to explore some things. Because plenty of things I think of for stories are not novel length. They're not these huge things. And to know me is to know that everything I've written to this point is essentially an epic. You know, Kadoja is an epic. It it continues to go on. It's going to end up being an 18-issue mega story when this complete part of Kadoja is done. Three Protectors is going to go on for a while. My first novel is lengthy. This is really the first thing of significance I've done that's not lengthy. Animals is going on. That's going to be a shorter story, but that's also not out yet. So it's fun to to knock out some short things and have some of these ideas that could nowhere near sustain a novel, but they can sure sustain 15 pages. And, uh, and that's what's so cool about it. So I'm really pleased. It was it felt great to finish the first draft. It's going to feel better to finish these frantic edits today and tomorrow and then send it off to my my workshop mates. And then we'll see what they say. It's it's flawed. Of course, it's flawed. But uh, the nice thing about getting notes back on 15 pages is that you can write those notes and you're done. That's it. I'm done now. <laughs> you know, like this. We don't keep going to the next part of the novel. We're just done and we can move on to another short story if that's what I want to do. Yeah, it's great that, you know, I was a little surprised that you're jumping straight into another giant project. You know, you just spent, what, the better part of four to five years of your life doing your first novel. And right away, you know, you started your second and like, and who am I to say, you know, when, when that creative bug is hitting you, when it's biting, like, you got to answer the call. So yeah, it's like, okay, he's, he's starting a second novel. He seems jazzed about it. All right, cool. And uh, it's nice that you're taking a little bit of a pause to do these shorter stories and kind of getting those, kind of getting that out of the way or like kind of getting it out of your system, you know what I mean? Just just to change it up. And it's mm-hmm. like you said, you know, it's done essentially. You know, once you get these notes, you can go, okay, I can correct that stuff pretty easily. Boom, boom, boom. And in the afternoon, you're, you're complete. And then you can go on to the next one and yeah. complete that as well. And that kind of... It kind of dovetails back into something we had talked about here when it comes to creating your first comic book. You know, like you don't want to do a five-part story for your first comic book. You you more than likely want to do a single issue, a one and done. You know, that way 
you can test the waters. Hey, this is the first thing that I'm doing. And let me just kind of get in and get out and let's see how it worked. You know, what were the pros and cons of doing that one part story, you know, and, and doing these short mm -hmm. stories, it kind of gives you that avenue to go, hey, let me just tell these quick stories to get them out of my brain. And also yeah. we, we can see the feedback and, and people can tell me what they like or dislike about them. And then I can apply yeah. that to the next project. Totally, totally. Yeah. And that's fun. You know, again, more, more and more reps are always good. It's de it definitely is firing a different part of my brain. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned this quote on air last week, but something that continues to tickle me is I'm not even done with the first month of the year and I'm already in these wildly different directions creatively than I thought I was going to be 20, you know, some days ago, right? Like that's the coolest thing that there's just this transformation going on um, in real time and it's fun, you know? Uh, so yeah, man, really it's really neat, and I'm happy to be writing this. To your point, I may write a couple more short stories because I have this strange confidence about the as-yet-unwritten second novel. I think I'm going to burn through it. I think I'm really going to tear through it, and I'm looking forward to that. But maybe it needs to marinate just a little bit more. Maybe I just need to walk around and listen to jazz, walk around, do whatever, let that get a little more firm, and that'll make writing it even faster. And in the meantime, I can write a couple short stories. So again, it'll be a minimum of two. And then we'll see if I, when I get finished with the second one, do I want to start the novel or do a third one? I have that flexibility. Yeah, that's a great part about creating our own projects and being our own masters when it comes to these things. It's like we're in charge of the deadlines. We're in charge of what projects happen next. So it's great to have that flexibility. And um, yeah, man, when inspiration is striking, you know, you, you got to take advantage. So that's great that your plans yeah. have changed a little bit, but it's already bearing fruit in the fact that you have another story to show for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. So, uh, hey, what was your second thing? Uh, my second thing. So I got done a few days early and uh, for, from the second shift 13, like I talked about on the first part there. And so I was like, well, what can I do in the meantime before I start the next thing? Well, Flatting needs to be done, so I needed to go through the book and go, what pages can I do, and what pages am I definitely going to give my flatter? You know, like, there is a few pages that take place in a comic book store. So what that means is, there's a shitload of things in the background, and those are not pages that I'm doing. My time is mm -hmm. better spent on other things. I can pay my flatter to do that, and me not have to worry about it. So I cherry-picked the easy pages which was about nine. I had nine pages. Um, I believe out of 22, I can't remember off the 22 or 23 pages. So I cherry picked nine of them that were going to be easy enough, not overly time consuming. And I knocked those out in two days. So that was really, that was really fun. Um, it was kind of, it was kind of relaxing in a sense, you know, when you have to do a lot of this, like logistical thinking, you know, with these, these difficult panels, like the last part of my book, it was a lot of difficult panels. And so my brain was in problem solving mode. Okay. How do I make this panel work? Where can I put the camera? What does the background look like in uh, with this specific angle? So I was doing a lot of problem solving in the last like two to three weeks. And so it was nice to kind of turn my brain off. You know, it's just like when you're doing flats, it's like coloring in your coloring book as a kid. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, all right, let's let's stay in the lines here. Let's make sure everything looks nice and tight. And then I can send those off to my colorist. So um, that's what I did with those extra days that I had. I was able to squeeze those in there. And that shaved some time off my yearly plan that I had. And um, I sent those to the colorists. I sent it to Joaquin. And I was like, hey, man, you got some time. I got the book is done and I'm going to be sending you some pages. And he goes, I'm working on three projects right now, but I'll squeeze your pages in in between. So Mm -hmm. as of right now, it's not a time crunch. And he's really good about if I give him a deadline, he will hit the deadline. So um, Mm -hmm. as of right now, that deadline is going to be March 1st, because on March 1st, I want to do the second shift Kickstarter for issue 13. And um, so that gives him a little over a month to get the whole book done. And he's like wicked fast. I think he can do two to three pages in a day. So he'll burn through that thing um, at his pace, and I'm sure he'll get those done. But as far as the flatting goes on my end, it is done. Mm -hmm. Hey, that's, that's very cool. It's always nice to knock out those things and beat your goals. You know, you, you've mentioned that twice, once, either two sides of the same time or twice. But I'm that way too. You know, the when I finished the novel, I finished it seven days ahead. And it was a month out, maybe 15 days out, where I realized, like, wait a minute, I'm going to finish this before I thought I would, and I'm going to make it a celebration. And then it, it led to other stuff. So, yeah, it's always nice to beat your goals. Um, something, you know, this that you did bring up something I wanted to bring up as a tangent as a follow-up to last last week's setting your 2023 goals thing. It's in the vein of being, knowing who you are, knowing who you are, right? Like something I forgot to mention last week about my goals is that the first half of 2023's goals are far more concrete than the second half of 2023's goals. And that's not because I'm less likely to follow through on them, et cetera, et cetera. The reason is because what I just mentioned, you know, like if I, again, if, if I, if I take this sheet and by the way, I'm keeping this sheet at my desk all year, just so I can flip it open, you know, once, once every couple of weeks and see where I am. I mentioned this uh, during last week's episode when, but when I look at my writing prose column, you know, in March through October, I have the name of the of my second novel and how many words I want to write. That's the second novel that's on the shelf now. Things change. You change. You wander a creative path that can lead anywhere, as we've just talked about with me. So for me, that's why I like personally doing about a half year at a time with a loose idea of what I want to do in the second part of the year. So um, so anyway, just just worth mentioning that these are your goals. You can be flexible. You can be rigid. It depends on how firm your plans are. You know, in my case, I happen to know my my plans are a little more firm in the first half of the year. And then, hey, we'll see what happens based on those things in the second half of the year. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, and, and I was going to say, well, I was what I was thinking was a lot of those projects that you've been working on um, from the previous year that rolls over into the beginning half of this year those are obviously further along, you know, compared mm-hmm. to the tail end of the year, because obviously you haven't yeah. started most of those yet. And exactly. uh, yeah, so I agree with that 100%. So a lot of the front end of my calendar, it's more firm than the tail end. And it's like, mm-hmm. those are the plans. But as far as like the dates that I lined out, I mean, like you said, shit changes. 
and I'm ahead of schedule and I'm looking at my calendar and honestly by the by the end of January I st- as of the recording of this we have what 5 days left and mm-hmm. I'm I'm ahead, ahead of schedule for the whole month so mm-hmm. it's just like well that's going to open some stuff I could knock some stuff out and um honestly it it helps me fit in commission work um from clients and stuff like that you know and and honestly that's that's something I kind of forgot to plan for while I was making this schedule um yeah. I'm always really quick about that type of stuff anyway it's like you know, um, what's the old saying? Um, if you want something done, give it to a busy man. Mm-hmm. And so I find that if I have a rigid schedule for my comics making, I will get those commissions done because, hey, I have to make that money. I need that extra money. It helps pay the bills and all of that thing. But mm-hmm. I know I if I keep myself busy, I'll get shit done. You know, yeah. I, I just know too many people that don't follow that rule. And it's like because you're not busy enough. And that's the thing is you get too relaxed. You get too lazy in yourself. You know, like if you don't set these goals for yourself, then you then, hey, it's cool. I'm just going to bullshit and play video games today and then maybe I'll get to it tomorrow, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that maybe is definitely not going to happen. The maybe the maybe turns into, no, I'm not going to do that today. And if you keep doing it, you keep pushing and pushing and pushing before you know it. It's been two years and you still haven't finished that book, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's just. For me personally, like that's my personal motto is if I stay busy, shit will get done and I'll get I'll get more done than everyone else because because of my work ethic and my drive to finish it. Yeah, word up, word up. Um, All right, let's go to my second thing. My second thing, I promised a wide breadth of things I did this week, and I think this fits the bill. I don't know if I talked about this in year one when it happened. But we are now in year two of this happening, which is Invader Comics works with, well, we work with a specific person, but the Orange County School of the Arts, we do comic mentoring with them. Um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned that. I, I know you know about it, but I don't know how much of it is on the podcast. I think now, you have mentioned it on the pod. Okay. So yeah, look, full disclosure, full disclosure. When I say certain person, I'm referring to Eden, my stepdaughter. Um, Eden had the idea a while ago to start a comic creators club because she likes making comics and uh, and get creators together. And she had the idea of like, you know, tapping me and Mike and Invader and like, well, what what can you guys do? It's like we created this whole template, right? People make comics. They do a couple workshops with us and we see where they are. We give them notes and then they can go ahead and make their comics based on those notes. So uh, yesterday was the day of our mid-year check-in where we the, the goal is to have people's pencils and then what we do is we just do a quick zoom call with all of them and let them know the things we liked the things we think they should work on and uh, and go from there and it it's cool you know since I since I apparently did mention it last year again I I know we talked about it that's the hard part the hardest part Scott is trying to figure out what we talked about on the air and what we talk about off the air yep you know it's it's not it's not whether I said it or not it's it's whether we said it with the while we were recording right. yeah <laughs> exactly exactly but uh, but yeah it was it was cool it's always cool it's always cool to get people more into making comics people who want to make comics to, to give them the ability to have something in print and then print up like a, a group ash can, a compilation ash can at the end of the year that everybody can have and say, hey, I did this. Speaking of completing stuff, right? Like you completed a comic through this comic club. 
And I got to say, man, big uptick in just the overall quality and preparedness of the work. You know, we're talking about pencils here and we're talking about students that are very, very busy with a full high school schedule, with an uh, with a conservatory schedule because it's a school of the arts that happens in the in the evening. And then, of course, with whatever things are going on in their personal life. But. Last year, what we'd have is we'd have, and this is no no disrespect, right? People are busy, but people would come in with like story scripts or things like that. And those were fine. They were nice, but we never ended up seeing a final comic from it. In, in this case, um, what we're seeing is a whole lot of completed pages and a whole lot of people that are further along in the process than they were last year. Now, in, in defense of the people last year, the idea for the comic club happened in January, so this year is the first time there's been a full school year so that the, the students can ease their way into it. But um, but yeah, it was great. It was great talking to the, um, the, the kids and to check out their comics. Lots of creative brains going on there. Lots of really cool thinking. And, uh, and I'm excited to see where they go. And of course, they'll end up being in, in Invader Ashcan later in the year. Oh, that's awesome. You guys are like... You guys are producing the ash can for them? We already did the first one. Yeah, the first one was actually, we printed up some just for um, Eden to distribute and for all of the creators to have. And then we took some and we actually shipped them out with one of our Kickstarters because that's something we do with every Kickstarter. We try to. Every single Kickstarter we do, if uh, people out there, if you pledge an Invader Kickstarter, then you're not only going to get the book that you asked for, but we're going to put an ash can of an upcoming book in there for you to check out. So the OSHA um, Ash Ashcan, you know, compendium, if you want to call it, that was like 20 pages last year. But yeah, it went out with one of our Kickstarters. So people got to see, you know, future creators, up and coming creators or people that have just, you know, made a comic and may not make one again. So yeah, it was cool, really man. fun to do. Yeah, it'll be fun to do again this year. It's going to be much thicker. Like last year's was like 20 pages. This year's might go like 40 plus because oh, wow. we have more creators and they want more pages. <clears throat> A common thread was that creators, I, I guess, I guess Eden had given them like a hard cap on the number of pages they could do, which was eight. And then they were like, well, I kind of need more. And so Mike and I were like, take more. It's fine. No big oh, deal. Right you know? Yeah. I, yeah when so. I was uh, doing the accidental alien anthologies, I was, I was working as the editor. Um, when we did the first one, no one had anything else printed, published. Um, it was just me. I had put out. I think four, four to five books by the time I'm, I met everyone or three, three to four, three to five. Anyway. So, um, I was working as editor, staying on top of everyone. And I did run into that where people like, can I have one more page? And I was like, no, you can't, <laughs> you know, it's just like, Hey, if you work at a comic company and they tell you, you have 22 pages, guess what? You have 22 pages. So, yeah, um, for the form, exactly. ours specifically was a formatting purpose. You know, it was just like, okay, we're doing an anthology series. Everyone gets six six, page, six pages of interiors and a cover. And so how that works out is the um, instead of the cover being on the right side, your cover would be on the left side. So the very first page of the book would be the credits. Okay, mm -hmm. hey, this person does a first story, second story, etc., right? And then you flip it, and on the left side, that's where their cover is. And then mm -hmm. the um, first page starts off on the right side like standard. So it was yeah. just like, okay, not every single person is going to get their individual credit uh, credit page. Everyone's just mm -hmm. going to be on one. And then that way, formatting-wise, uh, 
the story, the cover is always on the left side and it starts off on the right side. So mm -hmm. that's the reason for ours. Um, but that was, I liked when you're like, Eden told them no. And I was like, right on. Yeah. That's what you got to do. You're, <laughs> you're working as the editor for this book, uh, essentially, you know, you're the one taking yeah. the lead on it. So it's good that you're like, no, you can't have any, but you know, once yeah. you get the okay from the publisher, then it's okay. You know, you totally, got to do what you totally. got to do. Um, if well, you and, have and an we extra, also... If you have an extra copy oh. of that, I would love a copy of that. I would love to check it out. Of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. I'll, I'll first of all, I'll dig and see if we have last year's. And if not, then I'll definitely put one aside for you when we do it this year. But I was going to say, too, that it was, it was on an as-asked-for and as-needed basis through the individual workshops yesterday because – what we wanted to do, so so let's let's say theoretically, one of the students said, I need an extra page. And let's say theoretically that we had read their eight pages and we felt that there was fat that could be trimmed. We would tell them that. You know, oh, yeah, like, that's good. You, you're, you're, you're thinking you want an extra page, but I think that you can cut some things from these pages right here and you'll be fine. So we did challenge everybody. Like, look, if you need the pages, take the pages. But we want to make sure that you are telling the right story. You know, like the, the story is the story. So if the story takes 12 pages, it takes 12 pages. But let's also make sure that that's a nice, lean, economical story that's exactly as long as you need it to be. It's not too long and it's not too short. So don't ask for more pages because you're unwilling to cut story that probably could be cut. Um, but yeah, the couple students that asked for it had like one of them. It was a very ambitious story. And if anything, it was too jam packed for the 10 pages it was. Mm. And it was like, yeah, this needs more pages. So uh, so that student was really happy to hear that, you know, yes, you can have a few more pages so you can have the proper pacing in your story. So the end doesn't feel all jammed together because it was a pretty cohesive story with a beginning, middle and end. It was very good. Right on, man. That's freaking awesome to hear. Um, inspiring young creators to want to create in the future. That's what the comic industry needs. You know, like whether they're doing it through comic books, hopefully, Western comic books, you know, but I know a lot of the youth out there, they prefer manga. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just one of those things where, well, we just want people creating, you know, whether yeah. it be in our preferred format or another, you know, it, hey, as long as they're out there making their stories and, and uh, creating creating content, I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah, man. Yes, sir. All right, so what was your third thing? Uh, my third thing, let's see trying to think oh yeah this is all all one piece basically on a lot of the stuff that i'm doing this that i had done this week and i have done the special effects sound effects for second shift 13 so i had said on the pod previously that i'm going to be doing the lettering from here on out and you know i've always done the basic lettering for the most part and you know it's all, all the stuff in the word bubbles but i would have letterers i had tristan whitehouse for a while he was doing the sound effects, you know, the special lettering for me. And um, he did an amazing job, but um, he got busy. He's working full-time as a a commission artist, essentially. So he's got his own stuff going on, so it's all me now. And honestly, after Second Shift 12, which was the second Drawtober, the 2021, 2021 um, that's when I started dabbling in the sound effects lettering myself. And... It just felt right, you know, to do it, do it on my own, you know, like the art 
and the lettering as working as one. And that's that's something I've mentioned before. And when you're the person doing both, it's easier to control and you kind of get that vision that you want. And, you know, recently I sent you and Gary um, one of the pages that I was working on and like, okay, what do you guys think of this? And Gary had a great note for me. You know, like the, the initial question was, what do you think with an exclamation mark without an exclamation mark? And initially I was leaning towards, but I also had this thought in my head like, sound effects in comic books usually don't have an exclamation because the sound effect itself kind of is the exclamation. You know, it's almost redundant because it's not a word you're reading or something a character is saying. It's a noise that is being made. So um, you guys both agreed, no, no exclamation mark. And I was like, okay. And Gary had the idea of kind of blowing up one of the words a little bit and kind of filling in the space of that exclamation mark. And that was kind of one of my, one of the things that was leading towards the exclamation was it fills the page out a little bit better. But with the thing that he had mentioned, it really took up the space and I liked it a lot more. It kind of gave it emphasis, you know, so like the sound effects was ba-doom. And, and mm -hmm. so I just added an extra A to kind of extend it out more. And then I was able to blow up the word doom and it kind of made the whole thing pop even more. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm, thankful for having sounding boards like you guys and the accidental aliens to kind of just bounce it off of and see what everyone says. And, you know, like I've said in the past, you, you can get other people's opinions on your work, but at the end of the day, it's your call. So I always like to hear from everyone and kind of get their point of view and why they think that. And honestly, if they go, I don't know, I just like it more. That's just as valid as anything else to me. It's like, I just mm -hmm. like the way it looks. Okay. The, hey, it's a visual medium. If, if you like the way that looks better, that's completely valid. So um, mm -hmm. Gary just had a couple of notes verbalizing why he liked it. And that was enough for me to go, I was kind of leaning that anyway, so let's try that out. And um, I, that page looks great to me. I'm like, you know what? It really looks good. It's working with the art. It feels like one cohesive piece. And mm -hmm. um, doing it at this stage of the game, the best part of that is I get to turn it over to Joaquin, my colorist, and then so when he goes and colors the pages, he colors the lettering as well. You know, I just mm -hmm. kind of pick a generic color for him to go, oh, okay, that's that's the lettering, right? And then yeah. he he makes it sing with the rest of the coloring that's on the page. And then when the people out there get it, it's just, it just works as one piece. It's not overly distracting in the sense that when you look at lettering sometimes, it's just sitting on top of the art. And you're like... Like it, it don't like for me sometimes, like as an artist, it takes me out of the story sometimes. And mm -hmm. it's like, I, I think about it and I don't know that's if it's just because of what we do, we are creators, we're creating these comics. So I'm aware of all, all parts of the process. And so I'm looking at it and I'm going like, this almost doesn't look right to me, but they're professionals. So they hired these people. This is what those people do full time. But for some reason, it's sticking out to me like a sore thumb. So mm -hmm. I think just the way I'm thinking about lettering, you know, working alongside the art and becoming part of the art is just, it's different. And I, I think it's what I need to do now. And honestly, I banged through it pretty quickly. And so on my calendar, going back to what you said, you have your Excel spreadsheet printed out right next to your work table. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to create a spreadsheet that are basically a calendar like letting me know, hey, by the end of the month, you need to do this. And mm -hmm. as far as right now goes, I'm I'm five days ahead. 
So that means I have five days to work on anything else before I start mm-hmm. the next project. And, and that's a great feeling. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. So my third thing is quick to talk about, but took a while, which is I am in the middle of Kickstarter prep for Kadoja Symphony of Madness number two. Uh, so when this episode airs, I am planning to launch that tomorrow, February 7th. I'm going to launch it on a Tuesday. So I uh, will have a link for you to do the whole like notify on launch thing through um, my Instagram. So Keith underscore invader, I will have the link there for the pre-launch page and it's cranking along. You can actually go to my Instagram right now and you can see probably all three covers by the time that this airs. Um, As of this episode, I have posted two of them and the third one is going to get posted um, no doubt between now and, uh, and when the, Kickstarter launches on February 7th. So yeah, man, again, just Kickstarter prep. We all know the deal, right? Like you're you're creating the text. You're making sure what pictures you want to do. You're thinking through the tiers because you have to be thoughtful about the tiers. Next up, because I still have some time between now and launch, is the launch plan. What am I going to do? What things am I going to post? You know, what things might I be able to do halfway through? You know, um, any Kickstarter is going to require some degree of thinking on your feet. Um, because you're going to hit a part in the middle where you feel like it's not getting enough traction. So how you deal with that middle and how you work through that middle is always key. And it's best to be prepared for that middle, knowing like it's going to be rough. Let me figure out how to make my way through it and think of new things to say and new things to talk about and new things to do that hopefully continue to keep the interest strong. Because when it launches, the interest tends to be strong and it's about sustaining that. Yeah, you and you always have that dead middle that we all have to worry about. But yeah. all you can do is make the project as best looking as you can. Have a great thumbnail for people to get drawn to the image, to get get drawn to the project itself, and have enough content in there to where they're going like, yeah, this is worth picking up. So mm-hmm. um, that's great. It's always it's not the funnest part of our job, but it's something mm-hmm. obviously that has to be done. You know, you have to put the effort into this part of the project and make sure everything's humming and people are attracted to that project. Um, and speaking of that was the last thing I did this week was working on a Kadoja cover for issue number two. It's the making comics tier. Um, so since I did finish all of my work ahead of schedule, I had some time to knock out this cover. And that was one of those things where it was just like, yeah, this is going to get done, but it's going to get done in, in the midst of all of my work. And when can I do that? I'll find the time, I'm a busy man. I'll get it done. So yeah, I had the time. I uh, decided. So interesting, interesting uh, thing about this. The image that I did, and and whenever will that image be released by the time this airs? Yes. Okay. So the cover that I'm doing, it's an homage to Secret Wars number four. It is one of Keith, Keith's favorite covers of all time. And the cover I, that the cover that got me into co- the cover. I mean, I say it got me into comics, but I mean, I went with my friends to a comic store for the first time. So odds are I was going to get into comics. <laughs> but the the cover that cinched that I was going to love comics, Secret Wars 4, looking back at me on the stands when I first went back into that comic store way back in the day. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah, I didn't know that, actually. So, uh, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, I did an homage to that cover. You know, you had mentioned on the pod. I don't know, in our first year, that that was one of your favorite covers. I think you had it on a t-shirt, right? Or something like that. I or, did back in the day. Yeah, back yeah. in the day. 
So um, I was just like, all right, well, I did the homage cover. It was like a Spider-Man Venom cover that I had done for you for Kadoja 1. And as soon as I finished it, I already knew what I wanted to do. If you were cool with me doing another cover, I knew what it was going to be, and it was going to be that cover. Yeah. And I told you that years ago. I think we were on a car ride back from Phoenix or something like that. Yes. I was just like, hey, man, I know what I'm going to do. Do you want to know? And and so I told you, you seemed psyched about it. Oh, I was cackling. Whenever I cackle, that is my highest compliment. Yeah. So Whenever whenever I start cackling, yeah. Yeah, all the cacks were coming out of your mouth, and it was nice. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) So I had never zoomed in on that image before. I remember looking at it briefly on the pod because mm-hmm. because of your t-shirt and I kind yeah. of forgot the details of it. And so when I started it, I was like, yeah, it's just Hulk holding up a mountain. That's all I remember. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to, I'm not even going to work digitally first. I'm just going to do a freehand. I remember what it looks like roughly. And then, so I was like, okay, I pulled up the image and I was like, oh shit, this is slightly more involved than I thought it was going to be. But mm-hmm. mentally, I already committed myself to just s- starting on paper. And so I just went from there. And I, as I was like, okay, the Hulk isn't by himself. He's actually next to humans. How am I going to work? How am I going to work this out? Because Kadoja is way larger than humans. What mm-hmm. am I going to do here? And then so I had this idea of kind of doing a parody instead, of, instead of just doing an homage to do a parody. And um, so I have. You know, you go to Keith's Instagram page, it's Kadoja holding up the mountain over the Hulk and the rest of the people from Secret Wars. And Hulk is confused, and everyone's kind of like, what the hell's going on? Spider-Man's pointing up. And yeah. I left it vague enough to where it falls under a parody. You know, there's not too many details on the costume, so it's like, okay, no one's getting sued here. Plus, it's on Kickstarter. It's Kickstarter-exclusive cover, essentially, right? Is it? Is it exclusive? Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, mm-hmm. so that, that falls under um, donation. So it's just like, it's not me. It's not Keith selling Spider-Man or the Secret Wars, Secret Wars Marvel characters. They just happen to be on the cover. But hey, you're you're donating to the project, and for your donation, we are giving you this book. So you're not yeah. paying for that book. You're donating to this project. I I'm gonna have to play this for Rachel because I showed Rachel the cover earlier today. Because uh-huh. Scott did finish the cover and sent it to me, and I was like, this is really cool, man. And I showed it to her, and she was like, wow, that's cool. Can you do that? <laughs> That's the first thing she said. And I was like, look, Scott says it falls under parody. He seemed really well researched on the thing, and that's just what came out now. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's but it's also one of those like emoji shrug. Right. It, yeah, so <laughs> Shit, why not? Sure. Well, yeah, because if you look on Kickstarter, and I don't know if it happens now still, but for quite some time there was a lot of like um is it what is it called? Is it Dojinshi? It's uh like boy love comics. And oh, okay. so it's like, uh, you know, you would find Captain America in the Winter Soldier, you know, mm-hmm. and people would be selling boy love comics on on Kickstarter. And I was okay. like, dude, what the fuck? How are you doing this? And like there was one that I remember specifically. It was uh, Chief O'Brien in the holodeck. And it was like a web comic this guy did. And it was Chief O'Brien from Star Trek just standing in the uh, holodeck waiting to transport people. But he had nothing to do. So he's just standing there doing nothing. And I was like. This is great, but how are they doing this? That's that's Star Trek. And um, so it falls under parody and also falls under the fact that uh, Kickstarter is a donation site. You're not buying comics. Like there's Mm -hmm. specific wording when you're doing Kickstarters that you cannot do. You can't say, hey, if you give me this money, this much money, you're going to we're going to sell you this. You know, you're you're buying this. You can't use that wording because 
it's a donation site. If you donate this much, absolutely. So it's just like specific wording is how people work around it. And then there's not enough detail on those comic, on those comic characters on the cover that I did for you uh, Mm -hmm. to go, Hey, that's him. That's him. That's him. Well, there's no distinguishing marks that tell you that. Like, yeah, there's nothing along those lines. Like the color scheme is the same, but it's like not overly complicated. It's very simple. And uh, not to mention they're like, you know what, an inch in the distance. Yeah. 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 They're They're like, they're in the distance and kind of almost faded in a way. So yeah, yeah. Well, props, props to you, man. It's 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 like, it's like you just did hardcore legal research. It's like you were just listening to our legal episode on repeat, right? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, I got it, I got it, I figured it out, right? So yeah, yeah man. So it's just a fun I, I, idea. I think it looks really cool, man. I'll, oh, thanks, I'll be, man. I'm happy to share it with people. I th- I, th- I think people are going to enjoy it. I think yeah, yeah I hope so. I hope people I hope people dig it, and uh, the original art will be again up for. Uh, a tier for you to back once yeah. this thing goes and uh yeah that's how i'm getting paid on this bad boy so pick, yes. pick that up yes um yeah yes. but i had and a lot of fun with it and it was essentially two days two two days and a couple of hours that i worked on it uh from start to finish pencils inks uh coloring and then i did the letter dressing on top of it all so to just really uh hit that home that this is an homage to the secret wars number four um it was just like all right let me let me follow all of the cover dressing as well and really really punch that home yeah yeah no i i i love it i mean again it's i love secret wars four so the fact that scott even thought of this i'm i'm loving it and uh, again i think people will like it but yes to that point the only cover that's going to exist outside of this kickstarter well okay the variant's going to exist outside of this kickstarter but the making comics cover is the one that is kickstarter exclusive so that's going to be the only place to ever get this cover i'm never going to bring any to shows any of that stuff right like it's it's just going to be available here and scott i think in the tradition of making comics covers and stuff i think we're going to need to create content for the inner covers and like we did the first time so i have an idea for one but we can talk through stuff maybe we can have fun we we should definitely have fun with the inside front and inside back covers much like we did with the first making comics one that we did for symphony of madness number one so we still have time to think through stuff of that right on. plenty plenty of time plenty of time ahead of us um wow look at how far we ran I, I don't know about you, Scott, but I think we can keep our main topic that we were going to talk about this episode um, and just use the couple things we talked about and kind of go old school without necessarily like this marquee topic. We'll hold our marquee topic for next week and then go from there. Yeah, does that sound good? Yeah, totally. Yeah, we're almost at an hour um, yeah. with a little bit of a trim here, but I'm sure we got yeah. some bullshit. We do. I have a little bit of bullshit. How about you? I do. Let, let's, hey, hey, Tim Redecky. Let's talk basketball, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> because okay, I I want to talk about I want to talk about basketball, but I want to talk about life as basketball. Like how how basketball explains life, okay? Because ball is life, Keith. Ball is life. Ball is life as evidenced by Kona. Uh, well, okay, so so dumb dumb stupid thing. Scott did a story where he was watching the Lakers play Portland, right? And it was was it Kona? No, it was it was um Rocky. It was the other one. It Rocky. was Rocky. That's mm-hmm. right. God, I'm stupid. So it was it was Rocky and, and like you were watching the game and Rocky was just sitting there on the bed attentively watching. 
right? Yeah. And uh, and and I couldn't help myself. And, and Rocky has this just funny expression on his face. So you put ball is life, and then I I sent you a message directly that's like. That is the expression of someone who's thinking Portland is overly reliant on Dame Lillard's offensive creativity in the half court set. <laughs> right? I think that's what yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, good times. Good times. Um, but so so this is this is how life is. Oh, a while ago, early in the basketball season, I announced that I was not going to talk about the Sixers, right? Because they were disappointing. And there wasn't really anything to talk about. They were just kind of like this middling team that wasn't doing much. They weren't even fun. Blah, blah, blah. The universe listens to you. I'm convinced of this. I'm also convinced of this as a Philadelphia fan. Because as a Philadelphia fan, I can guarantee two things. One, always brace yourself for the kick in the nuts that you're going to get as a Philadelphia sports fan because it's always coming. The exception is the Eagles Super Bowl in 2017. I, I don't. I think the Cosmos couldn't even figure out how to stop that one. You know, Nick Foles greater than the Cosmos. That's basically <laughs> what that means. But but most of the time, the kick in the nuts is coming. And and being a Philadelphia fan is about getting centered. So like the sports gods don't allow you to check out on your team because if you checked out, that would be easy on your constitution. And being a Philadelphia sports fan is not about having the world be easy on your constitution. So what's happened since then, Scott? Philadelphia is arguably the best team in the NBA. They now have the second best record in the East. They look quite good. They have a long win streak. They're actually beating some good teams. This isn't just like a cupcake schedule. Embiid all of a sudden is like the number two candidate for MVP again. And I'm heading for a letdown. And now I have to get invested again. That's the problem. The problem is, all right, you assholes, you got me back in this. I'm invested. You Fine, fine. You know, like, it's almost like I need to walk up to the cosmic gods and be like, here, here, kick me in the nuts. I get it. Because I think the Sixers have a shot at winning the title now. And I know I'm stupid. And I know you're going to squash my dreams. So, like, screw you. Let's just get this over with. I'll see you in May. And then you can crush my hopes. <laughs> you know, like, that's how this works. Right? Like, it's 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 being it is being. Philadelphia sports fan and and it's it's come full circle yeah I was I was actually thinking about you today because I was listening to um one of those you know morning sports shows argue show argument sports shows and they were talking about Ben Simmons and um it made me think of you obviously because you used to have all of the Ben Simmons stock Mm -hmm. and sold it off as soon as he uh left Philly sold that off sold that shit off for like a penny Yeah. yeah and and it was a great sell on your part because you got a whole dollar for all of the stock yeah. that you owned, and um, he still isn't doing shit. Like I think it's he's worth less. Yeah, he's he is not the number one draft pick. Like he was not worth the number one draft pick. Like what he's doing. I'm curious as to looking back at that draft class, who should be number one? Like should bi be, should bi be number one? You think? I guess. I mean, I, I can't. I can't look at. Well, I know that Bi was a hell of a better pick than Simmons, and he, he was number two. two you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lakers got him at number two, and I honestly, I was never a Bi guy. When yeah. when they kept on talking about trading everyone on the team except for Bi, I was like, Bi is the worst worst of the ba- the bunch. I, I like yeah. him the least of everyone, and he mm-hmm. finally started taking off, you know, in New Orleans, and so it's like, okay, good. Good, I guess, but he's still kind of a one-on-one guy. And, like, mm-hmm. for me, I feel like that's kind of a dying brand of basketball. Like, it's just, like, you have less 
guys out there, less teams that are relying on one guy to do everything. And he just seems old school in that sense where he's not necessarily one to pass right away. It's like, no, let me dribble, let me try to create and do this, and everyone's kind of standing around. And that's just kind of not necessarily the brand of basketball that I like to watch. So, But I, to, to be fair, I don't watch a lot of Pelican games, so I don't know if he's gotten better as a team player and distributing a little more and whatnot. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but, yeah, just, just thinking about Ben Simmons and what he is or more specifically what he isn't doing these days, I was just like, man, what a letdown. It's so crazy because he had, like, all it of is. the potential in the world. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is crazy the way it works, but, you know, what can you do? So, anyway, uh, that was my first thing, man. What you what do you have? I might have another thing or two as well. Oh, were you going to say something? You raised your hand. Uh, I was going to say that the Pelicans are fun to watch. Hmm. Uh, and They're Zion's fun. out right now, though, right? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> We could we could play this podcast every day of the year, and that would be true about half the time. That's <laughs> true. I wonder how New Orleans feel about picking Zion over Jaw. You know, just how reliable Jaw is, and and how I don't know. He's just well. He's... I mean, so look, I I'm I'm I haven't built a shrine to Jaw Morant in my house yet. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, like first of all, he's awesome. Second of all, he's electric. And third of all, he's like the player that I wished Allen Iverson would have become. Even yeah, exactly. though I love AI, yeah. and and so it's like you are you are just checking every possible box in the Keith Foster heart right now by being John Morant. So yeah, I I'm obviously going to say John Morant because I love him to death. Yeah, yeah, and and he's relatively healthy most of the time. So that's really important. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about the Lakers because I, much like you, was very disappointed in watching them. Yeah. Can I, can I just say, do you know what song the Memphis Grizzlies play in the arena when they win a basketball game? No. Whoop that trick. (laughs) That is a true thing. Wow. That's great. It is amazing. It is amazing. Memphis is the goddamn best, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Like hustle and flow, right? Like somehow, right. <laughs> some way. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, please. Back That's to the funny. Lakers. I just wanted uh, to mention that. So I had I had told my Lakers group chat, I was like, you know what? I'm fucking done. There's been too many games where they piss it away at the end. And it's just like, you know, they're not going to come back. Like they have a chance to win and they just don't. And I was like, I'm not watching anymore while AD, Reeves, and Lonnie Walker, the fourth, are out. I was like, they don't stand a chance. They lose all of these games every single time. They start off so well, and then they just never recover. It's just right. like, there's no point in watching it while those three guys are out. Um, AD is your first, your arguably first to second best player on the team, right? Austin Reeves is kind of your glue guy, and he's just a smart basketball player. Like, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And Lonnie Walker is a scoring machine. So two of your offensive players are gone. So you have LeBron James, and that's it. And then maybe one day Thomas Bryant performs really well. I like Thomas Bryant a lot. He's a Laker draft pick. Um, So I I really enjoy him, and he can go off one game. I think he got 30 one game, and he was averaging like 15 to 20 on a lot of other games. But then then he'll give you four or eight, and it's just like, Mm -hmm. dude, what the fuck? Like, be a little consistent here, you know? So um, I enjoy him, 
But what happens with those games is you're just let down because he got you 30 the night before, and then you watch the next one, he gives you eight, and then we lose by 20. And mm-hmm. and it's just like, okay, well, I'm not doing this to myself because it's so fucking frustrating. Guess what? AD came back. All right, I'm in. I'm back to watching. He had his first game back, um, and we traded for Rui Hachimura from the Wizards. Okay, mm-hmm. we got him for basically nothing, and I do like Rui, but I was really hoping we were going to get Kuzma back. Because Kuzma mm-hmm. has developed even more at the Wizards, which I, I knew he was going to do. I was like, he's going to be really good. You guys just got to be patient. And, of course, they weren't patient with him, traded him away for Russell Westbrook, stupid trade, right? And I was like, cool, we're going to end up getting him back because that's all I hear about for the trade talks is we're going we're gonna to get Kuzma back. We're going to give them whatever, uh, Pat Bev, Ke- uh, Ken- or Kendrick Nunn, and like a couple of draft picks or something like that. And I'm like, perfect. We can get him back. He is a uh, big wing player. And uh, he's a scoring machine, too, and he's pretty good at defense and good at rebounding. And, nope, we ended up getting Rui back, which was really confusing because we need fucking shooting. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, Rui's an okay shooter. He shoots 35% from the corners, but, like, 35% is league average. Like, that's not... We need someone that's a sharpshooter that can shoot for us, and we keep making these fucking trades and not getting the piece that we need, and it's fucking frustrating. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know who makes threes from the corner is P.J. Tucker. I bet he's available. <laughs> Shit. How old is P.J. Tucker? 75? <laughs> he's he's uh, he's 900. Yeah, mm, something like I was that. close. No, was something close. like that. But yeah, well, I thought what I thought you were going to say is you said I'm out on the Lakers and then the universe listened because LeBron then averaged like you know 53.17 rebounds and 10 assists a game for a while. And it's like, I don't even know what the fuck. Honestly, like on a larger note, for those of you that are still actually listening, bravo. Bravo. Hold on. <coughs> Basketball is is drunk this year. It's it's insane to see the statistical things that are going on this year. Like it is it is this statistical explosion in the sport hasn't happened since 1961. Oh. In terms of relation to the other years, in terms of what kind of gonzo scoring we are seeing. You know, like like the other night, Embiid had like 47 and it barely made the news because it was the third most points that someone scored that night. 47 would lead the goddamn, you know, ESPN feed on a lot of nights two years ago. And now it's like it's an afterthought because somebody like Giannis scored 55 or Luca did 60 or just whatever the fuck's going on. Yeah, Dane just did so 60. It's insane. It's it's insane to see the way this stuff is happening. So anyway, yeah, just a wild year in the NBA. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it didn't it didn't even affect me whatsoever when I heard Dame got sixty the other night, and I was just like, yeah, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, everyone yeah. gets sixty now. It's like not a big deal. Yeah. And the rules yeah. haven't changed. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like the rules are still the same. So I guess I guess the one difference is like how they're calling fouls. So people are less engaged on defense in a certain way, you know? So that, you know, that's part of it. But I don't know that it's been any different. I don't think those rules have been any different in the last three or four years. But, yeah. you know, it, like you said, it's a large uptick. And then LeBron's scoring like a fucking madman. But it's two things, or, or one thing more so. No, it's two. Number one, he was the only scoring option. So it's mm-hmm. like, if we have a chance in these games, I have to score a thousand fucking points. And number yeah. two, he's he's going for that scoring title, for Kareem's scoring title. You know, mm-hmm. like, the closer he gets to it, the harder he works. 
it's kind of mm-hmm. it's funny in the sense we'll bring it back to comics that's how i felt with all these difficult panels i was working mm-hmm. so much harder than i normally would on these backgrounds just to complete them because i knew it was close to the finish line you know like yeah. other days not to say that i was going to try less it's just i wouldn't yeah. try as fast you know it was it was a matter of speed it was just like okay i'm going to figure out how to do this and i'm going to figure out how to do it quickly whereas before i'd kind of lollygag and take my time and um, it was like, yeah, because I'm so close to the finish line, I'm going to solve all of these problems as fast as possible. Yeah, you're working on panels and you're thinking like, fuck your skyhook, Kareem, I'm coming for you. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Uh, so, exactly. OK, so one let's, to one. let's let's switch it up. <clears throat> let's switch it up. We had our basketball talk. We usually like to do that absolutely last. But uh, <clears throat> let's talk about my buying problem, Scott. Ooh. I have a Miles Davis album buying problem right now. I am buying all the Miles Davis and I need to calm the fuck down. I like speaking of something that has just exploded into this year. Um, and, you know, it started. I, I've always been a fan of Miles's record. Bitches Burton. Uh, Miles went through this like the, the fascinating thing about Miles Davis is that he reinvented himself and arguably jazz about five times. You know, he is. When I when I think of Miles Davis, he is on a pedestal with like Jimi Hendrix and Prince. And like I, I would argue that those are the three most brilliant musicians to have walked the earth in the 20th century. Um, Miles is insane, dude. Like he he's on a level that I'm not sure I understand. Um, but he went through this wild fusion period and basically sort of created jazz fusion in the late 60s, early 70s. And and lucky for me that that chunk of time was short because otherwise I would be spending way more money. Um, But what Miles did that was great and terrible for collectors is that the way that they did, he did albums back then is he would get all the musicians together and they would jam for hours. I mean, they'd, he'd have loose structures of songs and then they'd, they'd perform the songs and they'd basically just improvise because, you know, jamming, improvising, that's what jazz is. And they would do that for hours and he taped absolutely everything and then they would edit it together afterwards and turn it into the final records well because of collector demand because of these amazing archives all these things are seeing the light of day now so the good news is you you can get them all for free if you want so like you can go on spotify right now and you can listen to either bitches brew which is about 100 minutes of music because it's a double record or you can listen to the complete bitches brew sessions which is about four or five hours you can wow. go listen to On the Corner, which is like in, you know, less than an hour. Or you can listen to the complete On the Corner sessions, which are six. All these records, because Miles had so many recordings, at some point there was so much demand where people are just like, fuck it, here's the masters, go listen to those. And um, I'm happy to say that that I have tracked down essentially everything from Bitches Brew on vinyl because a record, actually this record right here, this record that just showed up today, but that I've listened to, this is called Double Image. Um, the oh, that's a cool cover. The it's yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's a flip on the Bitches Brew cover. Um, this is a collection of Bitches Brew era rarities on double LP red vinyl. So these are basically most of the session takes that did not make their way to the final record. So 
I've bought like I I've gone from maybe one Miles Davis record to about six, mm. and let me tell you, they're not super cheap. Like a lot of these things are double records, so it doesn't like it's like okay, Keith, you bought five records. Yeah, what they're all that, double like, records. Fifty bucks a piece, or yeah, yeah, because some of some of them were dried up. So I think I've spent as little as maybe twenty nine, and as much as about sixty mm. um, for them. So yeah, it's just been a run, and I'm 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 gobbling them up. I can't stop, dude. I was actually just working on comics before we were taping, and I was just like, fuck it, I gotta listen. I have to listen to Miles Davis. I don't even know what the hell's going on, you know? So, anyway, I'm I'm thrilled. It's a fun place to be. It's uh, it's given me a break from death metal. I don't really listen to much death metal at the moment. It may or may not come back. You know, it's like, we talk about the adage of writing where the heat is. My thing with popular music is, or with current music, I like I like just listening where the interesting is, if that makes sense. Totally. And for and for a while, death metal was really interesting. There was a lot of really cool stuff happening in death metal. But right now there is very little innovation and interesting stuff going on. Um or or also little bands that are kind of revisiting the old things and doing something great like undeath my band of last year they're basically just a throwback to earlier death metal but because nobody else or few other bands are a throwback to earlier death metal they're fresh and they're innovative that's what makes them so interesting they're just cool caveman death metal right um but yeah death metal just feels really stale to me it feels like i just turn on XM Liquid Metal and I hear a lot of the same stuff. Spotify tries to pick new songs for me and it's like, meh, it's there, but it's not it's not getting my heart the way that it used to, you know? So as a result, I'm branching out into jazz. It's great to write to, it's great to work to. And yeah, so hopefully hopefully at some point I stop my Miles Davis problem, but I'm kind of loving it and hating it all at once at the same time right now. I have a spending problem as well, but it's more so my weekly comics. So I am at the point where I'm basically spending 50 bucks a week on comic Woo! books and it's rough, wow. man. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's a, uh, it's, I don't know. It's going to become unsustainable. Mm-hmm. So I really need to go through my pull list. And I, th- I thought I had just done that and trimmed it a little. Um, but I don't think I've trimmed it enough. So I really need to go through the books that I'm reading and like, really really find which books I'm into because there's definitely books that I go this is the top of the list to read this is the top of the list to read and then there's other ones that sit and I have three or four five issues backed up where I haven't touched them yet because I'm more interested because of course every week more books come out and then I'll put the ones at the top of the stack that I want to read and they pile and pile and pile. And so it gets to a point where it's just like, why am I buying this then? Like I'm not even Mm -hmm. bothering to read it. I'm not excited to read it. So I really need to put my foot down and go, okay, you're done. Take it off of your list. Like, and I think it's the completionist in me. It's like, no, you already started it. Just keep going, get the whole run. But if I'm not reading them and I'm not really enjoying them that much, then what's the point of getting them? And I think the problem is a lot of the ones that, I'm taking some time to read. They're some. They're from some of my favorite creators. It's like, well, I really like this artist. He's a good artist, but I don't find that the story is keeping me enough to to want mm-hmm. to keep buying the book. So it, yep. it's it's really a tough it's a tough call because I do want to collect the book because I love the artist's work and you want to mm-hmm. support those artists and those creators. 
But at the same time, if I'm not enjoying the story, why not just wait for the trade then? Just wait for the trade, yep. pay a fraction of what you're going to pay because cover price, you're looking at $3.99 at the minimum up to $5.99 per issue, depending what book it is. And it's just mm -hmm. like, okay, you don't need to be spending that because you can get, you know, five or six issues for 20 bucks. You know, it's, it's yeah. a fraction of what you're going to pay. You're going to trim some of the fat there and uh, save a couple of bucks. So um, I really got to look at that list and see what's worth keeping and what's not. And uh, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple thoughts there. One, Keith's golden rule seems to be at play there, right? Art gets you and writing keeps you. And that's yeah. the hard part, right? Like cool art is easy to get sucked into. You're like, this is really badass. But generally out of decency and out of respect for the comic shop we're in, you don't just stand there and read an entire fucking comic. You read like a page and then you have to make the decision where it's going to go. And a lot of comics start strong and then fizzle. That's not unusual. So it, it's pretty normal to get midway through a comic and be like, yeah, I'm not feeling this, you know? So it is a tough decision. Um, but, but something I would say a little bit in your defense is that I am not buying any collectible comics right, right now. I'm buying new comics. I am, I am trying to, you know, when I go to comic shops now out of town or something like that, what I'm looking for is either dollar bins or indie comics that I don't see anywhere but that area. That's what I like doing. But I don't do collectible comics. But I will say a lot of really good current comics right now, man. I, I feel like we're in a particularly fertile... Speaking of where energy is, where interest is, where some cool things are happening. Comics of the place. There are a lot of really cool stories out there in comics right now. And uh, I'm I'm impressed because I, on a similar note, I tried to prune my list too. And I'm like, I like everything here. Right. I look forward to goddamn everything. So I'm not cutting shit. You know, well, like, and then, like and on top it's, just, of that, it's just a bunch of good books. And then on top of that, I, I don't know if you do this, but I do this. I go, what's new this week? And yeah. then so I'll peruse the shelves and see what I don't have on my pull list, see what came out and go, oh, that looks interesting. And I'll go through and I'll flip through. I'm like, hey, I like... I like the art on this. It's a number one. Mm -hmm. Let me give it a shot. And that's what's yeah. keeping me around the $50 mark every week. It's just like, oh, I only had four books come out. 20 bucks, right? And then you go and you look around the shop and you're like, oh, fuck, this is cool. This is cool. Oh, I forgot to grab mm -hmm. these back issues. I've I meant to get this. Before you know it, yeah. I'm at 50 again. And so that's yeah. what I'm finding happen a lot this week, uh, you know, because I went to the shop today. It, it was just straight up 48 bucks. Like nothing mm -hmm. extra. Oh, and actually there was one one thing extra that I picked up. Two things extra that I picked up. And, um, you know, if you put out something invincible and if I have it, I'm still going to pick it up. I'm just a sucker. Like you'll, you'll get me every time. Like Kirkman just did a re-release of uh, Invincible number one. And there mm -hmm. was a black and white version. It said Undeluxe on the cover. And I'm like, yeah. Here, here's money. Why not? I, I will take yeah. this. So, um, exactly. yeah, man, it's, it's shit like that. And like you said, there's there's so much heat right now that that it's hard for me to prune anything. You know, it's just yeah. like there there is a couple. And honestly, some of those and this. OK, so this is what's getting me. Those books don't come out all the time. It's just like, oh, yeah, this creative team, they put this book out. But I think it comes out once every two to three months. Mm -hmm. I could afford it once to every you know, two to three months because I really like this artist, you know, and, and that's what I find happening. And it's just, and then there's other series where I'm like, 
I'm really excited to read this, but I still haven't caught up. So every time a new issue gets uh, uh, put out, I pick it up and I just throw it in the box. I never read it mm -hmm. because I'm so far behind. Like I showed you, I believe I showed you and Gary, it was of my uh, a photo of my to read pile and it's legitimately a long box. It is a mm -hmm. long box that was out in front of SoCal Comics because like, if they just have something like, oh, we don't need this anymore, just put it out in the front. I pulled up to the shop. There was a long box in front of the shop. I'm like, yeah, I need that long box. I grabbed it, not even realizing my, t my to read pile was that big. And I was mm -hmm. like, holy shit, it filled the entire fucking long box up. So it's yeah. just like, and then, um, you know, you go to the shop every week and you pick up another five to 20 books and that long box, whatever you've managed to read during that week, it gets filled right back in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, all, all I can say is I'm trying to commit to, to doing it, you know, to, to, to trimming my stuff down. I, I have essentially a long box right here. It's two short boxes. Oh yeah. Um, but, but it's, you know, I, I'm going to keep on going through it and ideally, I mean, for me, so much of it is like, I got to be home. I got to be in the mood. You know, like yes. I, I do different morning activities. I would love to wake up every morning. Mine's on the can, time. you know, overshare oh, okay. or not. I read on the can. That's what I do. It's like, hey, I'm sitting there. I'm not doing anything. Well, I'm doing one thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah. beyond that thing, I have some time. So it's just like, all yeah. right, let me bring a book in there. Let me read it. Okay. That's when I tend to read comics. So I would say I read a comic a day. Maybe right, two. Right. I, I, I try to read one to two a day, but, but the issue is sometimes I get a little behind on the podcast editing because I have this thing called life. Right. And the best time for me to edit a podcast is when I wake up with my coffee. So now there's two, two, three days there where I go through the editing of a podcast and that's no comics. And then before you know it, the, the pile hasn't dented, you know, but this is supposed to be enjoyable too. It's not supposed to be a chore. Exactly. You know, so right. I, don't, I don't want to create a fucking action plan to go through my comics. I'm going to go through them as I want them, yeah. you know, so that's, that's part of it too. But anyway, I, I don't, I don't feel terrible because there's lots of good books out there. And, uh, and I've made a lot of this to read pile is, you know, cheap stuff or stuff that I know I want to read, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't that, feel too bad. That's the tail end of my long box. So stuff yeah. that I pick like up in the dollar bin or like, Oh, Hey, this looks interesting enough. Um, or it's a back issue. It's like, oh, I'm behind on the series. Oh, hey, they finally have a back copy of that. Mm -hmm. That goes towards the end of the long box, and the front is the new shit. And um, no, I hear you. This is supposed to be enjoyable, so I don't, again, I don't want to make it an action plan. It's like, yeah. no, you, you read at your leisure and when you feel like doing it. And um, honestly, I've kind of been in the mood for that a little bit more as well. Like, I kind of feel like mm -hmm. reading... Uh, before bed usually I draw before I mean I'm drawing whenever I can but um I, I've really been tempted to just start reading right before bed and it seems like something enjoyable but enjoyable to do and I think I am going to do it I'm finally going to bust open this Akira box set I mean it's open but I'm actually going to start reading the entire thing um mm -hmm. I think it's time and my headspace is kind of in that area anyway so um uh, I want to explore it more and I it, it's time it's time to read that Rock on, man. All right. Well, I think that's the end of, uh, of the bullshit. So let's let's bring it on home. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore invader. That is where, of course, I'm going to have the link to the Kickstarter that should be going live tomorrow for Kadoja Symphony of Madness number two. And of course, five times a week or so I'm posting. I'm posting photos. I'm posting quotes. I'm posting things I'm reading. And of course, I'm posting the stuff that I do. 
In addition to the Kickstarter that is launching soon, I have the website keitharfoster.com where I have information on my stuff, my properties, and there is a web store where you can buy those things. So Kadoja, again, that's the Kickstarter launching tomorrow. Giant Monsters Meet HP Lovecraft and Three Protectors Kung Fu in Space. Check those out at keitharfoster.com. And you can find me at Scott Lost on Twitter and Instagram, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. And you can pick up my books at accidentalaliens.com, Second Shift, The Tale of Minimum Wage Workers During the Day and Superheroes at Night, and Wanders of Melisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans, uh, all at accidentalaliens.com. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what's funny is I'm, I'm you know what? over here. We need to rate these beers. We do need to rate these beers. We almost we almost forgot. But that's what happens when you drink beers. But we almost forgot. We didn't. We didn't. But we almost, almost forgot. Yeah. yeah. What's your rating? Cali Cali Creamin Cream Orange Sickle. Creamsicle. Yeah. Orange Creamsicle. Seven point five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for mine, I think mine is also a seven point five. I really want to give it an eight, dude. Mm. But because it it's a very, very good IPA. But I think it's it's again, it's an IPA for people who like something a little different and in their IPAs if they are IPA junkies. Um, and I feel like if I give it an eight, that that bumps it just a little too close to you should just universally try this at any cost, right? So I'm sticking with seven point five. Okay. It's right between a seven point five and an eight, but I really did enjoy it. That's interesting because you don't like IPAs. No. So, so, I mean, it's your rating, but I feel like you should give it an eight. Like if that's I'll give you, it an eight. You, it's you, my rating. Yeah. Do you don't... what you want to do. <laughs> this has been a very musical episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I may, I don't know. I may, I may edit out the hello part. I don't know. I haven't decided. I hope so. It was quite long. <laughs> it was quite long. Yeah. It would be a great post credit, though, is all I'm saying. Oh, I don't then know. that's maybe, okay. Yeah, post credit's great. Maybe someday with the million dollar uh, level of Patreon, we, we bust there that it is. out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there it is. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm looking over at um, one of my CGC books and it's slabbed. Um, the night, you know, I've, I've got a, something that's killing the children. You know, one of those ones that I got signed by Tinian and uh, Werther Deladera. And I like looking at it. And I was thinking like, okay, wow, the Kadoja Kickstarter's coming out. You know, if if I were to release one of those books, like the Making Comics variant or something, right? And I was going to send that to CGC, like, what grade would it come back at? It's like, come back five fucking stars. Like, we know that, right? Like, it would it would blow. They, they wouldn't rate it. They would just rate it five. They'd have one, two, three, four, five stars. Because we're the five stars in this experience. We're the Making Comics podcast. We know you agree, so head on over to Spotify, head on over to Apple Podcasts, head on over wherever you can rate this thing and throw us five stars, throw us some words. We appreciate it. It helps a lot. It helps expand the audience, and uh, and you know we deserve it. Five stars in this, baby. And if you agree with our, if you've had the beers that we had this episode, and you think our ratings are on or off, you can always hit us up at themakingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything you guys want us to talk about on the episode we haven't talked about yet, or something you want to expand us to expand upon, uh, hit us up at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Dear Scott and Keith, more basketball. 
I think that's Said what everyone no wants. Ever. Welcome ever. to making oh, basketball. The, yeah, I, I do want to. Yeah, and then and then we could rant about comics at the end, and people be like, "I fucking hate comics." You know, What's but, up with these nerds? <laughs> yeah, you nerds. Uh, I did want to mention something else else about the email though. Um, I just got a note, and maybe I can share it next week, Scott, if you want, because I thought it was pretty neat. We're starting to hear from some people that you know. Number one, say that they like the podcast, which we love. We appreciate that so much. But some of these people are actually putting out comics, and and we got a little credit. Like I listened to the I listened to the podcast, and I put up my comic now. You know, blah blah blah. Share that with us, and uh, because we would love to know, and we may just even share it on the air too, and and give you a little free publicity depending. So it's it's great to hear. It's great to hear that people out there are listening to this podcast and making a comic, and we don't care. Like we don't care if we only deserve one percent of the credit like one percent matters and who are we kidding we're just going to claim a hundred percent of it anyway (laughs) but but no seriously like every little bit helps every little thing you do in terms of making a comic helps and we love the fact that we play a role no matter how small or large in the making of your comic so we love it please share those success stories with us the only success we care about is you finishing that comic and getting it out into the world that's what matters to us and you know you can hit us up with some other things on on what you want to do from a business angle of course or any other creative tips we'd love to hear that too but yeah hit us up with that too you know you can tell us about your beers you can tell us you want more basketball but also share successes with us because we love to hear those things absolutely hey we did it we made it to the end of the episode i've been i've been playing the music for a while now i bet so with that we will see you next week world's best cup of coffee here Hey, pause for one second. I'm just... Yeah. Hello, testing, testing. Testing, testing. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, that's the same. Hello, hello, hello. I'm keeping all this in. (laughs) Hello, is it me you're looking for? (laughs) Because I wonder where you are. And I wonder what you do. Hello, 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 hello. Okay, that doesn't really move. Okay, I think... Feeling oh, there lonely. we go. There we go. Okay, I think I got it. Or someone loving you. Okay, well, I, I hope this doesn't suck, man. Like, when you're going through it, let me know if the audio is crap again, but... Tell me I was looking at the wave heart. the wavelengths as I was... I was speaking mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh shit, that looks really low. So then while you were talking, I adjusted my volume up and I hope that fixes the problem. Um, oh, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Technology. All right. So let me start by saying.